Amen. Good morning, friends. This morning we read from Romans chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. God's righteous judgment. You, therefore, have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself, because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere human being, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath, when His righteous judgment will be revealed. God will repay each person according to what they have done, to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress from every, for every human being who does evil. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. May God bless the reading of his word. Thank you, Esther. Thanks. Good morning, church. Oh, you guys are already in fine form. You spoke back to me. Oh, I'm so happy. Hey, it is so great that we get to continue our sermon series on Romans, and that's what we're going to continue to do today. And like all passages we have looked at so far, today's passage of Scripture is just packed with so many things we could talk about. Uh, as Esther so beautifully read, our overall passage today is Romans 2, 1 to 11. And what I hope you will see this morning is some good life advice. Now we're going to look at what the scriptures say we should avoid doing, otherwise it won't go well for us. And then we're going to look at something we should do so that it does go well for us. And so before we get into it, I just want to confirm that we are actually on the same page. So firstly, who likes it when things, when life goes well for you? Yes, surprisingly, there are some hands that did not go up. So maybe this question's for you. Who likes it when life doesn't go well for you? Oh, there's actually some people who put their hand up. That was unexpected, actually. And then it just actually proves to me that a lot of you didn't raise your hand and probably would have answered the first one. Um, Now, who has found 2020 has been a year of it going well for you? Some hands are going up. That's really good. Uh, Last question, who would say 2020 has not been going particularly well for you? Yeah, that one's a mixed question, isn't it? Um, I saw a meme a few weeks back that said, I need to apologise to 2019 for all of the terrible things I said about it. Uh, Because in comparison, 
2019 was a great year compared to 2020. So let's just start with the first few verses, and then we will let the scriptures speak to us today. So Romans 2, 1 to 3. Therefore you have no excuse, whoever you are, when you judge others. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, because you, the judge, are doing the very same things. You say, we know that God's judgment on those who do such things is in accordance with truth. Do you imagine, whoever you are, that when you judge those who do such things and yet do them yourself, you will escape the judgment of God? Do you hear the sass in those verses? We've got the uh, Apostle Paul just dishing it out to us this morning, and let me tell you, there's some more attitude where that came from. So as you know, these are the words of the Apostle Paul. He is writing to the believers in Rome, and this particular bit, I believe, is aimed at the Jewish believers, and he doesn't mince his words, does he? He's straight to the point of what has been a big topic in Christianity. Now, these verses come after the big, long list of terrible things that people were doing. They were worshipping idols. They were gossiping. It says they were full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, and envy. And as Pastor Pete mentioned last week, the next verses that follow are these ones about judging. Now, who's ever heard it said you shouldn't judge? Yeah, lots of people say that. Perhaps you've heard someone say, don't judge me. Maybe you've used those phrases yourself. Um, I tell Pastor Pete not to judge me all the time. His new nickname is actually Judgy McJudge. Let me say that again, because <laughs> that was a mouthful. Judgy McJudge Judge, Pastor Pete, because frequently he judges me on what I eat. Now, what Pastor Pete doesn't understand is that chocolate is made of cocoa beans and beans is a vegetable. And so it's very good for me, Pastor Pete. And so sometimes before he even says anything, he just looks at me and I say, stop judging me, Pastor Pete. Stop judging me. And it's quite frequent because I do eat a lot of chocolate. But there, are some, there is some good life teaching and good life advice found here. And these verses, though they are a warning about judging others, they are not actually forbidding judgment. Nor is it a command to stop using godly wisdom and common sense together with God's word to discern right from wrong or to distinguish between morality and immorality or to judge doctrinal truth. It's not. Yeah, we are not God, so we should totally not judge people as if we are. Only God determines the salvation of people, not us. He knows what is true and he judges fairly. That's his job. But there are many judgments that are not only legitimate, that are commanded. And so I've just got two verses for your consideration today. John 7, 24 says, Stop judging by mere appearances, but instead judge correctly. And then 1 Corinthians 5, 12, it says, It isn't my responsibility to judge outsiders, but it is certainly is your responsibility to judge those inside the church who are sinning. So what we see here is that there is a time and a place and a correct way of doing it. But if we look at our passages today, the life advice would be a caution to you on judging others, particularly if you are judging them for doing things that you do yourself. What kind of ice cream was it that you enjoy, Pastor Pete? <laughs> if you do, it won't go well for you. Why? Let's go back to the passage. Let's read from verse 3. So when you, a mere human being, 
pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. This is in-your-face stuff. Thanks, Apostle Paul. I'm glad to be preaching up here today on these passages. We see some more life advice here. In these verses, Paul is actually reminding the Jews that just because God is not showing them his judgment for the terrible things they're doing right now, there will be a day that will happen um, that when that will happen if they don't repent. Right? Just because they don't see God's judgment right now doesn't mean that the Jews are excluded from punishment. But instead, the judgment is delayed in hope that they would have a change of mindset and heart about sin and God. And I love how Paul just calls it out how he sees it. He says, because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart. Now, this is some great life advice. Now, Paul is saying, don't take advantage of God's kindness. Don't be stubborn. We all need to acknowledge that we are, in fact, human, and we make mistakes, and sometimes we make them on purpose, if we're honest. And so we need to own up to that. We need to say sorry to God and move toward the right way of living because there will be a day when we stand before God and the passage says this will be when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Everyone take a big breath in and out. There's some real heavy sobering thoughts today if we actually listen to this and take it on. So to sum it up so far, just five verses. We've learned when we judge inappropriately, we assume the role that belongs to God and it ends poorly for us. And secondly, we've learned that when we are sinful and we are stubborn and we don't repent, it also ends poorly for us. So judging, bad. Sinful and stubborn, bad. But let's keep reading. Verse 6. God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile, for God does not show favoritism. A third thing that we see in these verses that we should avoid doing. If you are self-seeking and reject the truth and follow and do evil, it will also not end well for you. It tells us that there will be wrath and anger, trouble and distress, no matter who you are, no matter your nationality, no matter your gender, no matter what sporting team you go for, God does not show favoritism. So life lessons, judging bad, sinful and stubborn, bad, self-seeking and doing evil, bad, but... What we also see in these passages is that God will repay each person according to what they have done. That's the bad stuff that we've been talking about, as well as the good stuff. Now, Paul gives us some clues on what we can do so that it will go well for us. And we read that what we do is important to God. And he says, to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. And there will be glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does what? Good. For everyone who does what? Good. For everyone who does what? 
Good, that's better. It seems that God wants us to do good. Now, I need to clarify that according to Ephesians 2.9, salvation is not a reward for the good things that we've done, so none of us can boast about it. So when we read verse 7, to those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honour and immortality, he will give eternal life, we need to unpack what it's saying here a little bit more. Uh, And so from what I've learned, it's helpful to break down every word here. Now I know that there are world-renowned Bible scholars in the room, and so I do this hesitantly, but I will try my best. All right, so we've got the English word glory, and it's the Greek word doxa. We're just going to go with that. It could be doxa, doxa. Uh, and likely it refers to a deep down belief in God and a future blessing that involves sharing in God's glory. And then we've got honor. It's the Greek word tomoa, and or timao. <laughs> depends how you want to read it today, um, which refers to the approval of God. And then immortality refers to the idea of freedom from death, uh, which was a big thought in, um, was big in Greek thought and literature. So when we break them down and we put it all back together, what I think we see here is Paul painting a picture of people who are doing good, but who are also about seeking God with deep conviction of who God is. And they're seeking uh, approval by God, and they're seeking an everlasting life with him. So I would suggest that it's not the doing good that Paul is suggesting is earning eternal life, but rather the wholehearted actions of seeking after God. And so I think we would all agree that salvation and eternal life is a gift given from God to those who actively seek him and believe and accept Jesus. I'm hoping that the majority here believe that. Um, But I would argue that while you don't earn your salvation through doing good, you can't be a disciple of Jesus without doing good. Now, being a disciple of Jesus means following Jesus. It means doing what Jesus did. And when we read the accounts of Jesus, we see that wherever Jesus went, there was great need. And though he didn't heal everyone, he did minister to those he was led to minister to. Now, Jesus did good. He healed, he loved, he served others. And in the end, he did the ultimate good for all humanity when he laid down his life for us. Now, our passages today tell us that doing good is important. And we don't have to look hard to see that actually this is a theme that carries throughout the Bible. Now, some verses for you. Galatians 6.10 says, Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Luke 6.35, Jesus himself says, But love your enemies, do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High. Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Now, if you are unsure on what doing good looks like, don't stress. God gives us some ideas. Just looking at one passage, Isaiah 58, God says, this is what I want you to do. He says, free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry and give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. I find it interesting that he had to put that one in there. So if you have any relatives that you're hiding from, 
don't do that. Do not hide from relatives who need your help. Verse 10, feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Then your light will shine out from the darkness and the darkness around you will be as bright as noon. Now, some of those might seem a little distant from us, but we can certainly support homeless people. We can open up our homes to foster children. We can support refugees by inviting them over for dinner and being their community until they establish their own. Now, if you are time poor because you choose to spend your time doing other things, there are many organisations and families who are supporting people in need. And perhaps you can help support them financially um, or through other donations and absolutely through prayer. Now, as you know, we've been doing the Do Good Project and we've just been getting people from our church family up on here to share the good things that they've been up to. And so we've had Rachel Walker. She shared how she's donating her hair to Variety to make wigs uh, for children who have lost their hair through illness. It's a really good thing. Uh, we had Graham Watson up here sharing how he's raising awareness for social media. Uh, sorry, not for social media. Make... <laughs> raising awareness on social media for PTSD and other mental health issues. Another really good thing. Last week, we put a call out to our church family um, to help, to give practical help for a family in our Kerry community who are doing it tough. And praise God, many of you responded and you said, yes, I can help with the gardening or I can do transport or I can donate gift cards for food. And you guys are amazing. It's such a blessing. Now, this morning, I want to invite Georgia Scaife, our Sunday youth coordinator, coordinator, uh, to share what she is doing that I think is so good. So give her a round of applause. Come stand on this side. Yeah, now Georgia was up here last week because Georgia's just doing amazing things wherever she goes. So tell us what good thing you're doing in the next month, Georgia. Cool. So on the 20th to the 27th, I am participating in the Act for Peace Refugee Food Challenge and eating only what's in this box for a week, uh, which consists of can of lentils, some uh, kidney beans, some rice, some vegetable oil and some sardines. Um, and the reason why I'm doing this is because I was watching a, a video on Facebook and seeing this woman telling her story about uh, her fleeing with only what's on her back and her boys and her husband um, from uh, the war-torn country that she came from. And her son tripped and she picked him up in the exact same way that I pick up my son. And I had this moment like, she is exactly the same as me. But she has to deal with struggles that I never have to deal with. I don't have to sit in my home and answer the question, do I eat today or do I give my son a little bit more? I don't have to answer those questions, but she does every day in this refugee camp. And so I was like, well, I should probably put my money where my mouth is and actually do something. Uh, and so I'm doing this challenge and we're trying to raise money. Uh, I'm trying to raise $1,206.36, which will feed a family the size of my family, give them medical attention for a year and also send their kids to school, which is really good. So that's what I'm doing. That is so good. And I've seen what's in there and I wouldn't even know what to do with the stuff in here because there's no chocolate. I've never cooked with lentils before, but um, Georgia tells me that they actually get a recipe book to go with it, so that's pretty cool. Uh, Georgia, while you're doing this really awesome good thing, how can our church family support you or get involved? Yes, yeah, so you can get involved in 
doing the challenge yourself if you would like. Otherwise, please support me. Uh, this week we're going to put my uh, website that they give you online and uh, I'm trying to raise money. We're trying to hit that mark so that a family can have all the things that uh, we take for granted. So that's support. That is awesome. Would you give Georgia a massive round of applause because she is doing good. She's doing good. There will be glory, honour and peace for everyone who does what? Good. Uh, I have a clip for you. It goes for about four minutes. And I would love for you to listen to the lyrics, watch the visuals in the background and just let it speak to your spirit today. What will you do? It's a great question. There is so much to be done in the world. Now, not all of it is for me or for you to fix or do, but I believe that some of it is. Now, what bit is for you? What are you doing that is making a difference? Not, not for your name's sake, but for the name of Jesus. Why are you here? What is it that God has for you to do? Now, I don't think it's necessarily some grand, amazing thing that makes you famous and everyone knows that you are here. But we see from scriptures that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. You are here. You are born to be right here, right now, in this time, in this world.